Nothing bell is wrong. Welcome to another edition of the In Ring Reality Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Josh Radowskis, where we are here for the Raw Review, and we ask the question, has Seth Rollins' newest disciple been revealed? Because last night on Raw was, of course, supposed to be the quote-unquote retirement ceremony of one Rey Mysterio. And what we got was Seth Rollins coming out, calling Ray a legend, saying Ray was presented to him as a necessary sacrifice for the greater good so they could do what they needed to do to complete their mission as leaders on Raw. He in particular, of course, we then got a good Rey Mysterio career package, which of course ended with the kayfabe taking out of the eye of Rey Mysterio. Then later on in the night, Rey Mysterio is on Raw via satellite from Michael Cole and Samoa Joe. And Cole and Joe are there asking Rey, you know, is he here to retire? What is his reaction to everything that Seth had to say? And Ray gets on and says, hey, I don't have any answers right now. I don't even know if my eyes going to heal. It depends on if the infection sets in on the eye. I, I don't know if I'm retired or not, but I do have to say that Seth Rollins is a piece of crap for everything you put my family through. Dominic Mysterio then gets involved and says, what might dad is, sorry, let me backtrack a little bit here because I'm forgetting some important details that I'm just now noticing from my notes. So as Ray is talking, Ray is talking about how Seth is carrying a lot of anger with him and how for Messiah, Seth has so much anger, and that kind of anger can corrupt and weaken and dominate any man. And he's definitely not showing what it means to be a leader. And then his son, Dominic Mysterio, as I started to say, comes into frame, sits down next to Ray and says, what my dad is trying to say is Seth Rollins is no messiah. And somebody needs to make him pay for what he's done. Somebody from this family, Mihajo, I believe is how he says it. It's Spanish for my father, my family. And Ray's then like, no, man, no, chill. We're not getting involved. That'll make it worse. And the look on Dominic's face in this scenario was a look of how dare you tell me not to get involved, Dad? I'm trying to stand up for you. I'm trying to stand up for our family. Seth has gone too far. And he just looked really, really angry and disgusted at Rey Mysterio. So I posed the question that I'm sure I'm not the first wrestling pundit today or in the last couple weeks to pose. Was this whole... Ray Mysterio retirement 
angle that was set up on Raw last night, a way to introduce Seth Rollins' newest disciple in the form of Dominic Mysterio. It's been rumored for a while, way back when Dominic first debuted, that, oh, Dominic's going to turn on Ray. And that's how he's going to get over because Ray's going to give him the mask and he's going to be like, I don't want the mask. I'm not you. All of that. And now with Seth and his Messiah group, it seems to be the perfect opportunity to lay the foundation for that. If that is indeed the long-term goal where Ray and Dominic can feud with one another, then Dominic eventually turns face, does take the mask for Ray to step down and retire completely. Seth Rollins is the perfect way to do that because Seth Rollins is a guy with a lot of experience, many, many years at doing this. He's a tremendous in-ring worker and a tremendous promo Mike-skilled worker, obviously, as well. So he is somebody absolutely that can build with Ray on, or sorry, build with Dominic on how to get over in this business. And it just fits. Everything about it fits. Now, we obviously could be reading too much into this as pundits and fans because that's what we do but I just feel like maybe that is where this is going so as I always like to say jump in in the live comments if you're here live on YouTube and Facebook at In Ring Reality or jump in on social media or via email if you enjoy the audio only experience after words and let me know what you think about what I feel is a lead story coming out of Raw here, because I would really, really be curious to know what all of you have to say about this. So let's get on with the rest of the show. The show opened up with that promo that I talked about from Seth, putting over Ray as a legend, setting up that video package. That video package was then interrupted by Aleister Black, who, of course, has had his running problems for a long time now with Seth and the Disciples. They are scheduled to have a match. Aleister Black does not wait for the match. The match comes on after the break, and this was, in my opinion, tied for the best bell-to-bell ring match of the night. This was great. A lot of back-and-forth action. Aleister Black looked really, really strong. Aleister Black actually defeats Seth Rollins here. Rollins, of course, is just distraught by this loss. He can't handle it. He immediately, by nonverbal communication, seeks Murphy and Austin Theory on to Aleister Black. He then stomps Aleister Black into the ground and stands tall at the end of the segment. So both Aleister Black and Seth Rollins go over here, which I am a big fan of. Next up, we had the United States champion, Apollo Crews, come out after being interviewed backstage by Charlie Caruso saying that he is going to be a fighting champion and he has 
the first opponent in mind for who he wants to face for the U.S. title. Comes out to the ring and says that this man is a man that's truly deserving and I can think of no one better to be my first opponent for the United States Championship. And this man's name is Kevin Owens. KO then comes out and says, look, Apollo, I, I really... First of all, congratulations. And second of all, I really appreciate what you're trying to do here. I'm definitely not one to turn down title opportunities, especially since it's been so long since I got one. But I have to be real with you and I have to say to you that right now, I feel like this title shot is coming out of pity because of what Angel Garza did to me last week. And Apollo's like, pity? No pity involved whatsoever, Kevin. This is just about respect. I respect you. You deserve this shot. And then KO says, well, then if that's the case, Apollo, if this is about respect, I appreciate you. I'll take the title shot, but, you know, I feel really bad. And Apollo's like, feel bad, feel bad, man. Don't feel bad. You deserve this. And KO's like, I know I deserve this. I busted my ass in this place for five years i deserve every opportunity i can get what i feel bad about buddy is that your title first title reign is going to be very very short and so then the match is set up the bell rings they go back and forth have a good little showcase for a few minutes and then it's interrupted as one would expect by angel garza and Andrade, and almost immediately as soon as this match was made, everyone could see this coming. Most likely, I know I did. Tag match is then made as a result of the interference between Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews against Angel Garza and Andrade. Apollo Crews and KO get the victory here. Good match. Great match, actually, as you would expect from all four of these men. My problem here, though, is that I feel like even though the gang of men that's managed by Selena Vega is one of the strongest factions in wrestling right now, as far as talent and as far as ability and as far as good intentions to showcase three talents right now this faction is being booked into the ground they really aren't being given an opportunity to go anywhere or do anything because they just keep losing and losing and losing and unless they start winning again it's going to be really hard for the audience or anybody else to take this faction seriously in WWE. Yes, it's a fine line to balance between putting someone over too much, hence probably why you moved on from Andrade as United States champion, giving someone else deserving a shot like Apollo Crews with the title. But it's also a need to have everybody look strong. And because Selena Vega is supposed to be this dominant manager who only has the best. That's why she kicked out Austin Theory in the first place. 
it's not really working from that standpoint. So I hope it turns around for this faction very, very soon because I really enjoy them. And I just simply don't want them to be booked the way they're currently being booked, which, as I mentioned, in my opinion, is into the ground. Next up, we got the next installment of Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better between Raw Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits, and the Viking Raiders. This one is bowling. The Viking Raiders look strong and dominate in the beginning. Then the Street Profits are like, enough is enough, Mr. Bowling. Holly got behind the counter. We want the smoke. Then the lights and the and the disco look and the smoke start appearing on the bowling alley for Street Profits to turn around. They come back from behind. They look like they're going to win this thing. And then Viking Raiders are like, enough. And Ivar takes Eric, who's actually attached to the ball. Sorry, it's actually the other way around. But he's attached to the bowling ball, and sorry about that, I I do apologize, I get their WWE names mixed up all the time, because to me, they're still Rayro and Hanson, but anyway, they get attached to the bowling ball, as the man gets bowled down the alleyway, gets a strike, and that's a how this segment ends. So it's once again even up at two apiece. So there has to be at least one more of these segments for a tiebreaker. I do enjoy these segments. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of any time that we see something different in Raw, especially in this time period or WWE in general in this pandemic times or not in the now semi-empty arena with the NXT talent there. But when we're not there in the crowd, that is, when we're not there and we have a chance to quote-unquote get outside of the confines of the arena, the performance center, it's definitely a good thing as we've seen from all of the cinematic matches so far. However, I got to tell you, I'm not really enjoying these as much as I was at first because I thought the long-term goal of this was to continue a feud between the Raiders and the Prophets. But right now, none of the Raiders or the Prophets are being used. The Raiders in particular are becoming a comedy act despite how they're built and have been for a number of years to be dominant in the ring. So I kind of want to see them get back into that. But at the same time, I don't want to see the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders at this point because it wouldn't make sense for everything we've seen. These two teams have really gotten along really well. They almost feel like a big faction, which I think is something I said last week as well. Like, I just don't know where this is going per se, but it needs to have some kind of a conclusion because these segments are becoming a little bit less funny and they feel like they're spinning their wheels and they need to just come to an end in some way. So it'll be really interesting to see what WWE's actual endgame for all of this has been. 
or if they even had one when it first started. And now they're feeling like, okay, we do need to eventually have one. So what are we going to do with this? It'll be interesting to see what goes down. The women's tag team champions, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, are once again called out by the Iconics as we see a match between Billy Kay and Nikki Cross. Billy Kay gets the victory here in a fairly quick match. Wasn't really a big fan of this. It was kind of like everybody knew what was going to happen kind of scenario where Billy Kay gets the victory here just to keep that plate spinning between the Iconics and the Women's Tag Team Champions Bliss Cross Applesauce. But it also kind of puts a foregone conclusion into what's going to happen on SmackDown on Friday because I don't expect Bailey and Sasha to shock everybody and win the Women's Tag Team titles, although that would be great. But I don't see it happening because of the simple fact that they're already continuing this plate spinning on Raw. So I have to wait and see, I guess, what does go down. But it just seemed like, okay, it's obvious that this is still a few. Did you really need to have this match? Next up, it was because we've already talked about the Rey Mysterio-Dominic segment we had our truth sneaking up on Rob Gronkowski thanks to quote-unquote betrayal from Gronkowski's trainer when Gronkowski and his trainer were going to shoot a TikTok video and our truth takes back the 24-7 title the trainer tells Gronk hey you gotta focus man you got a new career now you're with the Bucks let's go so it looks like Rob Gronkowski has officially been written out of WWE because of returning to the NFL. And our truth is once again for the literally impossibly to count time, the literal impossible number. Sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. Amount of times that he has now been and is once again your WWE. 24-7, European lightweight champion of the world as he is the new WWE 24-7 champion yet again. I'm not really a big fan of this belt right now, to be honest with you. I think this belt's well as run dry pretty much since the Drake Maverick stuff ended with it, but we'll have to wait and see. If a new chapter for our truth, he can do some fun things with the belt. But he got his baby back, so he's very, very happy about that, I'm sure, indeed. Next up, it was a back... Sorry, I'm reading my notes wrong. Out of place. Next up, it was Nia Jax challenging Kyrie Sane in a match, spinning that wheel, keeping that plate spinning for the women's championship match between her and Asuka that's coming up at Backlash, the Raw Women's Championship match, that is. This was a not-so-good match because, as we talked about on the Friday edition of the news, this, of course, was the match where the injury spot happened 
with the buckle bomb. Again, this was not Nia's fault. It was Kyrie's fault because Kyrie didn't get in the right position for this maneuver. She oversold it too well. But this was the straw that broke the camel's back with the injury to Kyrie here that caused the buckle bomb to get banned by WWE over the weekend. Yeah, if you didn't know, it is now a banned move in WWE. We won't see anybody use it. And I absolutely think that is the right call here because I do feel like it has been accidental or not. We had Seth Rollins with Sting. We had Seth Rollins with Finn Balor. And now we've had Nia Jax, I believe, at least twice, maybe even three times. So if you're not going to be able to execute it properly, although, as I said, and this one was Kyrie's fault, let's just be clear, but, you know, just for conversation's sake, Nia Jax was involved in the match. So bottom line is if your talent you feel like is not going to be able to execute the move properly, then just don't have the move being involved with your programming. So I absolutely do think that this was the right call to make. I really do. So Nia Jax gets the victory here. Next up, we saw the match between Charlotte Flair and Asuka. This is the other match that I think was the match of the night, as you would expect from these two. These two have a great match that unfortunately does not have a conclusion as Nia Jax reminds Asuka, hey, I'm your challenger, not Charlotte Flair. She comes out disguised as Asuka comes out to Asuka's music with Asuka's mask and Asuka's face paint and causes the DQ after Asuka jumps her on the outside and the match is thrown out. Not really surprised with the way this match ended because Charlotte has her own match at TakeOver this Sunday and Asuka has the match, of course, against Nia, so you don't want either one of these champions to lose. But it's also one of those situations where, as much as I want to see the match, don't book the match if you're not able to book the match in a scenario where you have a clear winner. Because all it does is make it to where you don't look forward to seeing the outcome because you know that it's going to finish in a finish to the match that doesn't help either person and just sort of gets themselves out of a back corner, which is what happened here in this match. Next up, we see Lana backstage with MVP telling MVP that she's just he's just taking advantage of her Bobby Lashley trying to further his career. MVP is like, look, that's the furthest thing from the truth. But even if it was, wouldn't that make two of us? Lana then slaps MVP. And then later on, Lana is interviewed by Charlie. And Lana says, you know, Charlie, I don't think it was Rusev's idea now that you mentioned it to me. Because Charlie asked the question, was sorry, not Rusev, sorry, 
force of habit. I don't think it was Bobby's idea to not have me come out because she asked the question earlier, was this really Bobby's idea to have you not come out for his matches? Says your beauty is too distracting to him or perhaps was his MVP's idea? At first, Lana says, I don't know. But then she agrees that there's no way it was her Bobby, that it was MVP who did it. But then she says to Charlie, you know, Charlie, Bobby asked me not to come out for his matches, but he didn't say anything about not coming out there for MVP's matches. As MVP is going to be in a match later on in the night with WWE Champion Drew McIntyre leading up to Backlash and helping out his client. And that, of course, is the final match in the main event for Raw where we did see Lana come out and eventually distract MVP enough to help Drew McIntyre, although McIntyre didn't really need her help. It was just enough to distract MVP enough where he wasn't going to pick up the victory. It was just a way of enhancing both talents, really, and it made it so that neither man looked weak, which is kind of what you want as a result of this situation. So, all in all, this was not by any stretch of the imagination, to be fully honest with everybody, one of my favorite Raws of this current empty arena pandemic era that we have found ourselves in. Unlike last week's Raw, which really seemed to be nonstop plate spinning entertainment and really just an enjoyable episode. This was a nothing happened, just very much paint by the numbers, very predictable edition of the show. So if I have to give this a ranking, this gets as low as a two out of five. This I just didn't enjoy this match at all, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. So those are my thoughts on this week's Raw. Again, as I always say, be sure to get involved with the program and let me know what your opinions on Monday at Raw this week were. And as always, if you're new here and this is the first time you're checking us out, make sure to give us that follow on Facebook. Give us that subscribe on YouTube so you never miss where we went live. Or if you're listening, via your favorite podcast hosting platform, do consider subscribing as well so you never miss an episode. I will be back tomorrow with my predictions for NXT TakeOver in your house, and we'll see, as we always do, if we're able to coordinate getting a guest or not. If we're not, I, of course, as I just said, will always be here. And as I always like to say, life is only as good as what you choose to make it to be. So make the choice to go out and do something great today.